This Athletic podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple app store over 18s only please gamble responsibly Welcome to On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey, The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent. Hello there. And every week I will host this Canaries chat with familiar names and Canaries characters. For you this week, gutsy and gusty gallantry, another spot from the Hodge and Steve Foley. He's never seen the ball sweat. Leading us through it all, we have a pair of on-the-ball debutants. My good friend, Lower Barkley season ticket holder and Canary Ball rally companion, Dr. Ben Walden. Hello. And former Norwich City winger and current Norwich United boss, Cedric Anselan. Good evening. And let me remind you that a subscription to The Athletic not only gets you great articles to read, but also access to this and all of our podcasts ad-free via our app. You can subscribe now with a 40% discount by heading to theathletic.com and using the code NORWICHPOD. Gentlemen, uh, welcome to the Rush Cutters Public House. Uh, we thought we'd come somewhere with some ambiance, especially for you, Cedric, really. Uh, we are at a pub, but we do both have a cappuccino. Um, Thank you so much for coming on, gents. Uh, uh, let's get straight into it, shall we? Uh, start with the weekend just gone. Norwich came as close as anyone, other than Manchester United, to taking points off the world champions. Liverpool march on. Norwich remain in the sticky stuff. That was um, the politest way I could think to put it. Uh, anyone here interested in the plaudits Norwich got? Anyone? Uh, no. Cedric? No. 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 <laughs> they lost the game again, which is fine. You know, they were supposed to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a tough old game, wasn't it, Cedric? What did you make of it? Because uh, it's, it seems um, funny that Norwich can put in very good performances against everyone, but generally have the same outcome. Yes, I think it's been like that for quite a while now. I think you know, for the last two months, Norwich always play seems to be playing really well and think like they're going to pick up something from the game, but at the end they never pick up anything. So. Um, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit difficult for a point of view of the players and 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 the manager Daniel Farker, but they need to carry on. I think, I think sometimes you need to have a good look of the system as well. I would think. I think if you look, especially the second half, Liverpool pinned completely Norwich in their in their own box almost. So it's very difficult for any players from Norwich City to bring the ball forward in the opposition half. It's too far away from the goals. So. I don't really know, you know, it's, it, people said, oh, they need to play a bit more long ball, but that obviously is not Daniel Farker's uh, philosophy. So at the, end the, at the end of the day, we, we, we need to, to carry on the way we are. And, you know, as I said last year, with Daniel Farker's philosophy work, this year is a bit difficult. But again, we're in one of the top, top, top league in the world and you get caught very quickly in this league, unfortunately. And it felt like Liverpool still had a few gears in them. Uh, it would have been interesting had Norwich have taken the lead how Liverpool would have dealt with that, because I imagine they probably would have dealt with it quite well. Yes, I I said that uh, I remember the game a few years ago where we nearly scored against Manchester United and they immediately ran down the other end, scored two goals. And it did feel a bit like that. We were 
we were making an effort we were we were trying really hard and it was you know it was that standard thing that this season has felt felt like a lot of the time actually where you you're just you're desperate for them you can see how hard they're working you and and you really appreciate what they're doing but it it did definitely feel like if we'd have properly angered them uh, then they would have they would have punished us a little bit <laughs> indeed and and it was probably one of those games where you were watching it and it it felt like it was close like live and and but then you kind of watched it back or especially highlights and you're like, mm, there weren't many opportunities to play with, really. Norwich did have, obviously, a very good one in the first half with Lucas Root, but I'm convinced that would have been flagged offside once VAR had had a look at it. So I, I really can't see the kind of point. I, I appreciate that he didn't take it. Ben, you're vehemently shaking your uh, head and arms <laughs> in agreement. Um, in fact, for me, the best chance was probably at 1-0 down when uh, Norwich played through the lines and, and Tamu Pukki was through and took it really early. It's just he you know, pinged it straight down um, Allison's Right, really. I think it's the only sort of a good pattern of passing in the second half through Emi Buendia when he came on. Um, that great ball he put to Timu Puki. I think Timu Puki just went for power. Just he had a bit more composure. Could have sliced the ball a bit, you know, on the, on the left hand side of the keeper. He just went for power again. But in second half, I can't really remember Norwich doing anything. You know, uh, Liverpool was just, as I said earlier, pinning. Norwich in, in their own half and, and, and I think when Manny came on I think he just slightly changed slightly the, the tempo a little bit and their son moved slightly forward and I remember saying I was watching the game at home with some friends and, I, and they said well, what do you think about the game and I said well he's completely changed and they said well what do you mean as the second half every time Anley or Zimmerman got the ball from the back straight away Liverpool was pressing them too because they are the most uncomfortable players on the ball and you could see that every time they're closing them two down the ball's giving away and, and give uh, Liverpool opportunities and I mean Norwich have been not so much in recent weeks but they have been reasonably easy to stop and kind of predictable in how you then go about stopping them and, and the, the margins have been obviously very fine for most of the season uh, Grant Hanley did keep his place and picked up the uh, player of the month award for January and given Ben Godfrey was back from suspension and on on the bench um Felt like a quite a big call, although Daniel Farker did tell me that effectively before the game that was what he was going to go with. Um, a little bit to protect maybe Ben Godfrey, given he is not quite fit enough. I, I still think there's an element that Ben kind of um, he you know had to have some extra consequences for for the sending off, which was probably you know fairly needless against Bournemouth. But but still, out of Zimmerman and Grant Hanley, it does still feel like Grant Hanley is the one who's performing at a higher level and he looks a much better player than the one who was struggling with a groin injury earlier in the season. I actually thought I thought Grant Hanley was a decent shout for man of the match um, uh, on on the weekend. Uh, I thought when when you look at the game, you know, we're playing against a Liverpool side with Mo Salah and, you know, Firmino and I one of the one of the things I enjoyed most about the game was watching Mo Salah not get a look uh, he was he, he, he barely did a thing um, they they clearly worked out the wind in the first half and so they were pinging that ball across to him on the left and and he was just he was being covered there he was being he was being kept away and as I say I think I think Zimbo did his usual stuff of flinging himself in front of the ball a lot and and achieving body positions that don't really feel physically possible uh, but Actually, Grant was always in the way. He was always stopping things. And again, uh, like I've felt so much this season, I just 
felt really sad for him at the end because he was the one with the flailing leg as Mane um, as Mane scored, and he, oh, he just he doesn't deserve that. He's played really well, but. Yeah, story of the season, really. And it was a wonderful tackle by Zimmerman, actually, um, from Firmino, or on Firmino, as he would have scored another goal of the season contender as well. I mean, it's all still quite last-ditch, but there we go. I did want to touch on Tim Krull, because he... I was having a chat, actually, with Chris Gorham after the game, and, and Chris was like... He, Tim Krull would have to be number one candidate for player of the season at the moment, given how consistent he's been. He was outstanding again, produced a phenomenal double save, which was in real time. You know, it would have stood. It wasn't one of these that would have been chalked off. It was it was outstanding. All watched by Ronald Koeman, who is, of course, Netherlands boss at the moment. I know for a fact Ronald Koeman had a, had a meeting with Tim on the Friday because I was parked next to Ronald Koeman's car when I went to the press conference and then he wandered out and I was like... That's Ronald Koeman. <laughs> uh, so he's clearly in thoughts for a, a recall, which he, he hasn't been in the North, in the uh, Netherlands squad since since his serious knee injury. So it would be wonderful, wouldn't it? And and completely deserved for Tim to be back in that position. Oh, massively, I think he's been he's been outstanding this year for Norwich, and no less forget last year as well. I think he he, he gives Norwich some points, you know, and and I think it's very important that when you go a good goalkeeper who can make good save at the right time in very important. <laughs> Some of the game where Norwich been under pressure, he's always been there and delivered. Um, but again, he's, he's worked really hard to be able to get another call for the Netherlands uh, squad. Um, and obviously, Ronald Koeman come at, coming to Norwich and uh, have a look of his players, I think is very good. And he, he, he's speaking volumes as well. It means that obviously Tim Krul is doing very, very well. He's been doing very well for a long time. Yeah, it has. And it's remarkable to think of him as a free free signing as well and actually in fairness to Tim I think he feels that Norwich have kind of shown some faith in him when when other people wouldn't because he was still coming back from injury and I know when he was first playing for Norwich he, he was sort of struggling to get down you could see how rusty he was and I know people were looking at him going he's not he's not the same player this season he's been on a on a different level and I suppose some people would have thought that maybe Ronald Koeman was there just to watch Virgil van Dijk and Genie Wijnaldum but he was if he was at Colney on Friday he was definitely there to see Tim Krul so I mean I I think most people know Virgil van Dijk's all right, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I, never know, I, think, I think the idea is he's a pretty him. good player. <laughs> so it feels like ex-Everton manager Ronald Koeman doesn't need to go and see him quite so much. But yeah, Maybe. I mean, Tim, Tim's been fantastic. He's, he's, he's been absolutely fantastic. He's, and he's so obviously a, a kind of, he's so obviously a, a gel for that team. Um, he's clearly holding them together. He, he always comes to us at the end as as fans. He's I was going to. Well, I was going to ask this because you're you're in the Barclay, Lower Barclay, every home game. So, and goalkeepers have a particular attachment to that part of the ground, don't they? We're watching Brian Gunn run and try and headbutt the crossbar. Watching Andy Marshall stand ten yards off um, the goal and get chipped. Robert Green, Robert Green, of course, and 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 John Ruddy as well. I mean, Angus Gunn in that period when he was on loan. Fraser Forster, of yeah. course. So, as has is. Tim there do you think absolutely no absolutely um it, it, there's uh, quite often again you, you don't pick it up on the tv cameras um when when you're watching at home but y you quite often it, it's the little looks you know he makes a good save and y you see him sort of he spins around and he and, and you can see the smile on his face um he's often you know there's there's little there's little waves there's 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 little nods and and yeah I, I mean i know he's a professional footballer at the end of the day and he's 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 doing his job there but um Certainly, in in the stand, like you say, he's he's the nearest guy to us for forty five minutes of the game, um, and it does it. There, there's a there's a connection there, which I, I I think extends across the team actually. But everybody talks about 
how important he is in the dressing room and stuff like that. And and it does it it does feel like he feels like a kind of connection between us and the rest of the team. I, I love the guy. Brilliant, Ben. I, I, I hadn't prepared this clip, but I'm now going to prepare this when I go home. His, uh, I actually spoke to Tim Krull about kind of where he sees his future beyond this season because it probably hasn't come up. Here's what he had to say. Tim, we've spoken to other players about their futures and obviously we're going to start talking about the more the season comes to an end. But in terms of your position, would you stay here regardless of what happens at the end of this year? Yeah, I mean, there's still a third to play. Yeah. You know, there's still a long, a lot of football to be played. I've, I've signed the extension. I got I owe a lot to this club because they gave me the chance again uh, to come back into football. Um, so that definitely uh, weighs really heavily and my family's happy. And like I just said, here, this club is really going places and, and no matter what, what league we're going to be in next year um, we've got an amazing base um, set by the manager and, and Stuart Weber and, and with the board backing uh, yeah it's not a lie it, does, it looks great from the outside but it's even more so on the inside and did you feel in that you can kind of see how how much harder you guys are to beat at the moment I know mm. that you did lose but mm-hmm. it it definitely feels like a building block for what is going to be a critical run now coming up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Wolves away is not not easy. They're a hard, hard team, but um, we're not afraid for anything anymore. With, with, I think the first twelve games, what's normal, uh, the experience to to get used to this league was um, was a hard lesson. Uh, horrible five, six first fixtures, but. Um, yeah, the way I wish we could start the season again, really, because we're we're that good at the moment. But um, again, there's so much experience we, we we're taking from this. So um, we've got a massive games coming up at home, um, Leicester at home, obviously, still the Brighton, the Southampton. So yeah, the, the chances are there, but um, we need to start winning them. Do you think he's got one goal or the other that he's feel more comfortable? Which hand, the Barclays hand or the other hand? Riverend or Barkley? Oh, I don't know. I, I'll, Any, I'll, no. I'm asking because sometimes players love to attack one goal, but not so much on the other. And and goalkeeper, I don't know. That's a great point. I mean, I I don't know if we well, need just to ask him that. I, I, I will do. I don't know if it's just me, but he he always seemed to be making the mistakes in front of us in the Barkley <laughs> <laughs> last season. Last season when he was when he was a bit rough. I'm going to save that for my next uh, Tim Krull uh, statistic- statistical piece unless uh, anyone else listens to this and writes it before I get there, yeah. which does sometimes happen. Um, no Steve of off of uh, NCF numbers uh, tonight. Happy birthday, Steve's dad. I think they're celebrating that. He hasn't done a runner because he's now on Talk Norris City, honestly. Um, but a couple of, a couple of stats. <laughs> ben like that one. Love the TNC boys. Um, there's a, a couple of stats that he put over at the weekend that I'm going to read verbatim. Uh, you're probably thinking Liverpool will be pleased at going 25 points clear at the top of the Premier League, but that was the fewest goals they've scored in a game at Carrow Road since 1993. So you'd best think again, which I particularly like. I, I did see uh, Amazon Prime or whichever Amazon Football put out a tweet after about 20 minutes saying Luis Suarez would have had a hat-trick by now. Yep. Fair point. Yep. And the second one, uh, just a quick reminder, and I think this is phenomenal, by the way. Norwich City are closer on points to the Champions League places than Liverpool are to second place. Amazing. That is ridiculous. Amazing. So there we go. Uh, now, um, please don't um, blame me for this, although I know Ben does because we had this chat before we started. Uh, Sam Byram did pick up a hamstring injury. It does sound like it might be quite a bad one. It, it, if it's a tear, it's going to be several weeks. And of course, 
at this point in the season, it doesn't take much of an injury to rule you out for the rest of it. Such a shame. Jamal did pretty well when he came on, though. I mean, again, I wrote a piece after the game up at Burnley in the FA Cup talking about how uh, Jamal was waiting for his opportunity. And I, I, it certainly mitigates the blow of losing Sam with having Jamal come in because I don't, I don't think he's been that far sure of it when he's short of it when he's been fit. No, I think he's been outstanding as well. He's another player just step up since since Norwich being in the Premier League. I think it's a great signing from Daniel Farke. I think he, he set all very well in the squad. And I think, you know, it's a bit difficult when you're right footer who play on the left, but he, he managed very well. Obviously, he's not given what obviously Jamal Lewis is given in terms of going forwards, that the balance at the back and going forwards. But on the other side, I think he defends slightly bit better than Jamal, Jamal Lewis. He's more experienced, obviously. and But yeah, he's, he's a big blow for, for, for Daniel Farker because Sam has been really outstanding so far. But Jamal obviously step in and he's got a shirt now and he needs to hold it. I mean... <laughs> Sam Byron probably could have been our third joint goal scorer at the moment, couldn't he? He's had so many chances, and I think Todd's second on six. I don't think anyone else has scored more than one goal. <laughs> no, no, um, and you know, I, th- I think we know that's that's been a big part of the problem. Um, I, uh, to be honest, uh, Jamal came on. I think it was within five minutes. He'd he'd proper bossed his flank uh, I, I can't remember exactly the incident but there was a moment where I, I just remember going Jamal Lewis back in the team and uh, I really feel for Sam because he's been excellent he's no no question about it Every, everybody's been appreciative of what he's done um, but I can't deny there's there's just a teensy little part of me going uh, do you know what it's it, it's a nice nice thing to have Jamal in the team as well and 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 I don't, I don't know when we last were in a position where we're like oh no we've lost a player we've got somebody that can come in that we're not going to feel bad about taking over I mean if all the fullbacks stay in Norwich will have four um, phenomenal fullbacks next season with Sam McCallum uh, coming McCallum I should pronounce that properly Sam McCallum coming in in uh, in the summer but I very much doubt all four of them will be here at the I was start going, of I was the next season. I think so it means someone's going to leave. I think there might, that someone might leave. <laughs> don't, don't, know what you mean. don't know what you mean. We'll see. I don't know. No one seems to think it will happen, uh, but you never know. Uh, according to Burnley fans, Max Aarons wasn't that good. So, no, no, um, exactly. It's all talk. It's all hype. Uh, speaking of which, uh, David Ornstein wrote uh, this morning in his Ornstein on Monday column, which is very good and extremely well-informed, uh, Liverpool um, stepping up their interest, according to David, in Todd Campwell. Uh, I mean, there were then reports over at the Independent saying, of course, it's not actually a, a main a main target at the moment. I mean, it's all semantics. People have their lists. They change. It doesn't matter whichever this, that and the other. But of course, it brings up the context of where Todd is at. He's doing a lot of media at the moment, I would say. It's certainly, uh, He'd probably do as much as he possibly could, so they're probably doing quite well to rein him in at the moment. But uh, clearly, Todd is enjoying the profile. By golly, is he deserving the profile because he's just been on a different level in terms of what any of us were expecting this season, probably apart from him. Um, and I, that goes for people inside the club as well. £30 million is the suggested um, price come the summer, which... I don't know, but I mean, Ben's laughing. <laughs> I think he's trying to do it off mic. But it's, um, for me, Todd is the one who will definitely leave in the summer because there's not really enough time left on his contract to maybe protect his value yeah. beyond two years. And I don't think he'd sign another deal at Norwich. So for me, I think he's, I know he won't be the only one that leaves, but for me, he, he is one of the ones who, w- who would go in the summer. Well, I, th- I think from the point of view of the club, I think if he's one of your young players doing very well, you try and obviously to keep him. So... 
in a way, I've not heard that Steve Weber, oh, Steve Weber, sorry, uh, Stuart Weber um, actually managed to have a chat or trying to renegotiate the contract with with um, Todd. But we, we, we all know that rumours with Liverpool has been there for quite a long time. He's not gone on notice. He's been outstanding as well this year. Um, again, the difference that he had from last year to this year is, is the goals. You know, he scored very important goals against top, top five clubs. Uh, and that, again, don't go on notice. And that is, is what the difference between him and Emi Buendia. Emi Buendia is, I would say, for 90 minutes m- more, I would say a bit better in terms of on the ball. But what is lacking Emi is the goals. Um, and, and can we probably manage that a bit better this year? And again, he's, you know, he's, 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 he's a top, top player, Todd. You know, we all know that he's a good player, but... You know, in my go, in my no, we don't know. Right. So, uh, my debut on the pod, uh, I was not letting it go without getting to say something about Todd Cantwell. He shops. You have a Jaffa, Jaffa cake, so you go away. You yeah. go with it. Excellent. Thank you. Right. So, first of all, he shops in my Tesco, uh, and that's awesome. In Deerham, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Where he yeah. was brought up and born and raised. And it's a really weird thing, actually. Um, have you actually physically seen him in this Tesco? No, no, I, I never have. I never have. Uh, but a guy, I bought some. Um, a guy, I bought some mini cheddars off of in the Tesco. Uh, said that he'd been in a couple of days earlier, and he sounded legit. So I'm going <laughs> to believe him. Um, and the as I've been a Norwich fan for many years, right? And the the truth is that. I, there's there's been many players. You know, I mean, my favourite player is always Jim Roberts, um, and obviously Cedric. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'm just sitting next no, to you. No offence, no offence. <laughs> um, uh, but um, it did something about a lad that shops in my Tesco um, scoring in the Premier League, you know, uh, and and watching that, it's 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 been. Incredible, uh, you know. I've 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 loved many Norwich teams, but I've I've said I've said for a long time that that this Norwich team is is that they're so easy to love, and I think he's a big part of it. And I will be perfectly honest. I know we lost on Saturday. I was gutted that we lost, and actually that was a nice feeling in a way to be gutted that we lost against a team that nobody can touch. Um, but watching Todd Cantwell kind of own the left flank for. A, a good proportion of that game, you know, you got Trent Alexander Arnold that everybody's banging on about, apparently being quite good, um, and then and then you got Todd Cantwell properly kind of getting in, getting past him, uh, showing that he cares about it. Look, if he goes, he goes. Uh, nobody's going to fault him for it, um, particularly given that you know a year ago he was getting he was getting slated for not being as good as Emi Buendia. Um, but it, I've, it's just it's just so enjoyable. It's 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 a proper kind of moment for us, I think. And I just I I, I love watching the guy with his you know hair. I was gonna say something more offensive about his hair, but his his lovely hair and his excellent dancey celebration things that he does. Um, and it's just he's he's brilliant, and he you gotta love him. You can't not love him. That's why he gets a lot of publicity because of his hair and obviously he's a good footballer, he's a good looking lad and he's got that celebration where you could see all the kids, even my, my young boy when he's cool now, he's trying to to copy um, uh, Todd, which is, is, is funny because my younger son keeps saying to me, hey, do you know Todd Canwell? I said, I don't really know him, but I've met him a few times and he's trying to you know to do that surfing wave uh, celebration and he's, he's outstanding, he's, 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 
is good to see. But again, he's deserve all the applause this year because he's worked really hard. And I remember at the start, I remember having an interview with Chris Gorham and, and Rob Butler right at the start of the season. I think I was on the scrimmage and I said, the player so far is Todd Canwell. He's going to have a great season. He's come, he come back early. He'd done some individual training. He was fit and he was prepared. You look at the first game he had against Liverpool away. He was outstanding. Outstanding. And he's been performing against Manchester City and Chelsea and again Liverpool this weekend. He's been outstanding so far. There are 5,000 plus words on Todd Cantwell if you want to read them over at The Athletic, which took me a long time to put together, but I'm very proud of them. Go check it out. You can uh, find that over on the Norwich feed. Uh, Right, let's uh, move on now to our traditional slot of Scottish brogue from afar as our favourite Scottish commentator and sports journalist Stuart Hodge brings us his latest Hodge Spot. Cue Stu! Hi guys, weary of saying the same things every week in the Hodge Spot, but Daniel Farker, too late with the substitutions, Emmy Buendia saw about 10 minutes of football, therefore was doing everything in a rush. Andre Duda looked a bit overawed by the occasion and the game was drifting at the start of the second half. Emmy could have brought some control in, so I don't know why we didn't see him before that. Uh, Mario Vrancic also could have been introduced. Josip Dunmich, that sub made sense when it was made because Stuart Webber told me he was bought to impact games at the end and other, offer another option. So that, that one does make sense. But Emmy, let's be having you and let's be having you earlier. Now I want to speak about the topic of day trippers and fan snobbery. 9,000 tickets sold, our own yellow wall in Spurs' new super stadium. That's a reason to be proud. Don't get me wrong, right? I get annoyed by the fans at Carroll Road. Daniel Farker calls it the living room, and sometimes it's too much like that when the atmosphere should really be like a teenager's bedroom with music and noise assaulting the ears. But anyone getting annoyed with supporters going to watch their team, or even people who fancy a day out and joining the throng of Norwich fans, I don't get that. Now, granted, half and half scarves are an assault on the senses, but live and let live. Also, these self-same appointed superfans seemed angry at the, the fans taking Jurgen Klopp selfies. I'm a journalist, and if I was there, I would probably, even though it's ridiculously bad etiquette, I would probably ask for one because the guy is the best value in the business. He's hilarious and his team is it's amazing. They're doing ridiculous and historic things right now. So why not take advantage of a serendipitous moment? Now, I think we should just be happy that so many people are going to support the team. 23 coaches travelling, packed with many who have spent years and decades rather than days following this team. <laughs> And finally, with my friend Cedric on the panel tonight, I think it's important to highlight the great work the club is doing off the field. The Community Sports Foundation has the amazing Build the Nest campaign, which is going to yield a fabulous new sports hub. And recently, there was an amazing mental health video um, on club channels with the players just encouraging people to talk about it. And that's a topic very close to, to mine and Cedric's heart. And well done to Hayley Braston and the media team. And... Uh, Just another reason to be proud to be yellow, I think. Uh, Thanks as always, Stu. It was the heads-up campaign um, during the game on Saturday. I think uh, the Premier League grounds across the country were were flagging that up. It it felt like a pertinent um, case. Personally, it was 
Justin Fashnu's uh, the 40th anniversary of Justin Fashnu's goal of the season that he scored in 1980 at Carroll Road against Liverpool. It was a goal that made it 3-3. Norwich did go on to lose 5-3 and two late goals um, against the team Liverpool team that would go on to win the uh, English title just as they're about to do this season. Um, and of course, with everything that happened with Justin Fashnu and him taking his own life in, in 1998, it, it all felt pertinent and you can read um, my tribute in terms of the celebrations and, and how it was marked in terms of the anniversary of, of Justin's famous goal. You were saying you remember Ben where we were when we found out that Justin had died. Absolutely we were um, we were on a, a bus together on our way to Reading away I think the, the last game at Elm Park and it was it was, it, it was the story came on that day I think it was the day after he died actually but um, the story was was released that day, so it was one of these things that that came round on the news every hour because um, radio was on on the bus. And you know, I think you're the same age as me. That the the that goal has has always kind of lived. It's you know that goal and and Jerry Goss against Bayern Munich. They're the, they're the two they're the two Norwich goals that everybody knows. You know, and and I remember at the time. You know, he was he was such a big figure. He meant he meant so much around the club. And and I'll be honest, you know, seeing seeing uh, the the Riverend uh, at the at the start of the game um, on Saturday. You know, I saw I saw the BBC kind of saying, "Oh, you've aren't Norwich fans just great?" And I was thinking, well, yeah, we are. But actually, um, uh, it wasn't just in fashion who great. And uh, you know, I, we all know. That there still really hasn't been that that sort of step forward. Um, don't know why uh, necessarily. Um, and it's a difficult one, I suppose, in terms of people wanting that step forward. Justin's the only um, only footballer to come out as gay while playing, um, and that and that was obviously in 1990, I think, that he that he. That he came out, it was clearly a poignant, um, poignant day on Saturday. Your profession, I, you're, I don't just call you a doctor because I, I think you're fancy. <laughs> no, no, I am a psychiatrist as well. Yes, so, so, um, so yeah, this and and obviously this this kind of stuff, you know, this is this is what I do day in day out. This uh, I've had this thing for a long time about there's this idea that because you're because you're high paid or because you're high profile or because your life looks good these sorts of things that you, you're somehow immune to these problems you know I, I remember you know kind of people talking about um stan collymore in the past and people like that saying oh what's he got to whinge about he's got he's got this he's got that he's a high paid footballer no 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 no, no. It, it's not an immunity you know that there, there there is there is no immunity against um, feeling really low about kind of feeling kind of worthless and hopeless and you know you we heard Sam talking on the pod last week about getting injured and feeling the same way and the truth is that human beings feel like this sometimes and actually uh, one of the heartbreaking things is imagining somebody being in that position and feeling like there's there's nobody there there's there's nobody for there there's there's somebody there there's there's somebody there where, wherever it is um, whoever it is there's somebody there. Cedric, we've had lots of conversations about this, haven't we? We've done two um, mental health awareness evenings yeah. with the Norwich City Fan Social Club and, and loads of events in the past. I know you've spoken quite quite openly about it, um, about your own struggles and, and also how other people have to deal with, with what they're going through. 
we we see campaigns like this at the Premier League run. I mean, do they? Are they? What do they do? Are they are they an important thing to be done? Do they? Is it kind of a lip service thing? Are they? How do you see it? Is it important just to have the conversation? I suppose. I think it's important to talk. I think it's important that the FA do them kind of 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 awareness. But for me, is is not been done enough. When you are in in the eye of the media, or the media want to write something about you, but they don't actually know that best that person, and and at that at that stage of your life you feel so lonely us as human beings we need to do a lot more we need to be uh, obviously alone be kind you know to check on each other's have have a nice have a nice word for each other's and if you text someone and you be worried about someone and that person is not texting you back or just keep texting keep texting is important um but yeah is a, a stigma that obviously is the last couple of years, or even more, that everyone is coming out. Athletes, show business, normal people suffers. But it's up to us to to help each other. For me, is is the big thing is to talk, talk. And I, and I understand that you go through a patch of your time, you you feel a bit lonely, you feel a bit lost, and but it's important to to have that right person around you. Some Burham as well been injured now. You know, when you're injured, you you feel lonely. You you, you go at and your own time and you could see the physio and everyone's going home and you need to stay because you need to have treatment so it's your own battle to recover quickly and the battle is you and the physio and is you and the machines you know and and sometimes can be very very difficult to deal with but I'm pretty sure that Norwich are very very on mental health and and he won't be left alone and and we can see that when we go to Kone is that 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 family of your mums and and everyone is talking, everyone is asking if you're right, and everyone has got a smile on their face. And I think it's very important that when you go somewhere and that person is in front of you, the first person open the door. If it's that person got a smile, that can make a massive difference to someone who is actually struggling. So yeah, but we 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 can all do a lot more. Right, just a couple of uh, bits before we get going. Uh, one thing, uh, please, if you um, are subscribed to The Athletic or you want to I thoroughly recommend you read my piece that's gone up this evening it's Monday evening on uh, Shea Hutchinson Norwich City under 23 player he um, got back playing it's a remarkable story basically um, the club were looking at him in his first year at under 23 level saying I don't know we can't get this kid to do what we need him to do he's miles off it what we're going to do about him let's have a meeting at which point they found out that um Shay needed a kidney transplant which is probably why he wasn't quite at the level they were hoping for um some really honest quotes in that situation Shay has the transplant he then gets back playing he's in superb form doing really well um it has come at the cost of him now needing a second transplant because the first one didn't work at the time, which they did know, but it's accelerated um, his deterioration in terms of kidney function uh, back to where it was before the initial transplant. So Shea is looking for another donor to have a, a second uh, kidney transplant. The number of footballers at elite level playing with any sort of organ transplant. I think there's only one or two, and even Klasnic, who played for Bolton and played in the Euros for Croatia in 2008, a year after having a kidney 
a transplant, a, a second kidney transplant, by the way, because the first one didn't work. Um, he's kind of the inspiration for where Shay is. He's a he's a lovely kid. He's clearly hugely driven. He's still only 19. He's got the whole of his life ahead of him. Um, obviously, I wish him huge luck with that. But please uh, read the story. And also, um, there is information there about um, looking into the uh, organ donor register, which is becoming an opt-out rather than an opt-in um, legislation in the spring, I believe, I think. So, although the spring seems a little bit woolly for a government legislation change, but that is what it says on the internet. And um, obviously, that couldn't possibly be wrong. Um, so, um, so check out the story um, and uh, send all of your thoughts to Shay. He's a great kid and clearly a very talented footballer. And it would be so brilliant to have a have a, a healthy and happy uh, ending to his story. Um, the one bit that I really did want to talk about um, as well um, before I, I wrote the piece on Shay. Um, you will have uh, noticed uh, from earlier in the month, I um, visited former Norwich City first team coach Steve Foley. Now, uh, Steve was in the uh, team behind Nigel Worthington. He was first team coach. Um, that team almost got promoted to the Premier League via the playoffs in 2002. It went even better with the uh, second tier title in 2004. Steve hasn't been well, but when I went to see him, um, he was in a much better place, looking happy, back to his old self. You can read my interview uh, right now over at Athletic with Steve. It was a joy to write. I love Steve Foley. I think he's a brilliant man. Cedric, you were one of the lucky ones to work under Steve. Yeah, indeed. Um I think I signed for the club in 1999 and uh, Steve was at the club and um, I had a great connection with, with Steve straight away. I think we, 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 we spoke about the game in the sort of the same level um, and obviously I had uh, the privilege to have played uh, quite a few games for the reserve as he was the reserve manager at the time. Um, very, very approachable person, uh, very knowledgeable about the game, loved by many people, and even now we talk about Steve Foley that everyone loved, and and I think it's credit to him is the way he conducted himself, not just on the football field, on a dugout, is is the way he was with the player outside. They always have a positive word with everyone, a, a smiley, very positive person, and and to be fair, I've kept contact with Steve since since I left Norwich. You, you probably know that. Um, um, but yeah, he's, he's unfortunately he's not been very well for, for quite a while now, but I'm glad to hear that he's, he's, he's on the main and uh, he's doing very well. I mean, managers get a lot of the headlines, don't they, when, when they're taking charge of a side, but th those, those guys behind the manager, they, they have to be, they, they must be so important to what's happening with the squad. I mean, a lot of the times they probably need to be more approachable than the manager, I can imagine. Well, we, uh, in the football world, you always judge the person in front of you as a player or manager. You don't know too much about that person, what he's doing in his, in, his, in, his, in his private life, if he's married, if he's got kids, or if he's got dogs or pets, whatever. But, but, but Steve, he was, he was a father figure for everyone. You know, you could come to see him and have a proper, proper conversation about anything. He, was, he would give you some... Um, you know, advice, um, and it don't surprise me to hear all them people speak very highly of, of Steve. You know, it's many players, even before my, my time at Norwich City, you know, all the young lads like Fobzy and Chris Lowellen, Darren Eady and Kent and everyone who've been through um, Steve Foley from, from the, the youth. Um, it don't surprise me that he's got a very positive impact on, on them kind of players. Me, he was completely different because I've not been through Norwich the Academy, I come from obviously France and I moved to, to Norwich. Um, but he was always quite very 
um, interesting to come to speak to me how we were doing things in France in terms of the coaching and things like that. And, and why click between me and Steve is we have the same understanding of the game. All his training session was base with the ball. You could do fitness with the ball and it was very really more enjoyable. And I think it's probably why I really loved him. And the way he was talking to the players, you know, he, yeah, I, I remember you asked me a, a few things about Steve Foley when you went to to interview him, and I had a, uh, every after reserve game, if we were playing away on the way back, we used to stop to Burger King or McDonald's. Obviously, obviously these days would never happen again <laughs> <laughs> because the players probably already got their ready meal uh, in the bus. But we used to stop, uh, we used to stop on the way back home in Burger King or, or McDonald's, and used to pay a, a burger to anyone. And everyone, all the players. So you know that is the the the, the fond memory I've got of Steve. Obviously, I've many more, but he was he was an, he's still a very incredible man. There you go. That's why he was so popular. He used to buy them all a burger on the way home. I love that. I was uh, speaking to someone the other day who said um, that what stuck in their mind was um, there was a game. Um, back uh, in the day at some point where Chris Llewellyn played and he had an absolute stinker, terrible, nothing not. <laughs> nothing came off him. And I'm saying this as someone who uh, was a vehement supporter of yeah. Chris Llewellyn to his face, uh, which he told me, yeah, whatever, <laughs> because he didn't believe me. But um, he had an absolute stinker, terrible. Um, and then in the dressing room after the game, Steve Foley got up and said, you know who my man of the match is tonight? Chris Llewellyn, because even though he had a mare, nothing came off from him. He could not do anything right. He never stopped showing for the ball. He always, we were so bravery. He was the epitome of bravery. That is why, for me, he was our best player on the pitch. But this is why I said about Steve. He always got the right, the right word at the right time. He never sort of like after a game, if you play bad or if you lose or anything like that, he always have the right word, the right phrase for someone. Always positive about someone, players, you know. And that is, is credit to him, you know, he never never really shouting to any kind of players, never, never hear him at half-time or after the game completely losing his head because he was not that kind of a character. And I think it's, it's why people love him and the way he conducts himself as, outside football, you know, you never hear bad things about Steve. And um, so, yeah, no, he's, he's an incredible human being. Go read the piece on Steve Foley. Uh, right, next up then for Norwich is Wolves away. Molyneux, um, Ben, you said you have a stat. I'm going to just throw you, going straight in. Go for it. Um, fun thing about Wolves, they are exactly twice as good as us. Um, they've, <laughs> they've got twice the number of points. They've got twice the number of wins. They've got twice the number of draws that we have. That's a great spot. Um, uh, so it seems like a perfect time to play them. And I guess draw. Yeah, um, we'd take it, wouldn't we? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, at the end, uh, I mean, the interesting thing uh, actually is they've they've won eight games. They, they, I think it's Villa in seventeenth have won seven. Um, so uh, what it shows you is that uh, Wolves have have kind of built themselves this season around being tough to beat, being you know being tough to get a win against. And I think we're all fairly accepting of the fact that we need to win as many games as we can. So. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. There's going to be some tricky games coming up at Norwich. Obviously, need some uh, positive results from them. The interesting thing about Wolves is that they've they've turned so many deficits around. They're kind of like the opposite to Norwich, <laughs> really, sadly. Uh, maybe time for Nuno Espirito Santo to uh, throw in John Ruddy. Well, you never know. <laughs> go on. Go on, Nuno. Especially after what happened the last time Norwich played there, which I think was uh, Nelson Oliveira. 95th yeah. minute yeah, equaliser right. from f about 85 yards. Uh, but there we go. We love you, John. <laughs> love you, Nels. And, and Nelson, of course. Absolutely. Uh, 
time for Emi Buendia to come back in from the start? Cedric? Well, yeah, I think he come on when he came on Saturday. He had a bit of an impact, a positive impact, because he was the one who was bringing the ball forwards. And uh, if he can had a bit, a big some goals in his game, I think he will lift probably everyone. Who does he come in for? Is probably the big question. Who dips out? I think um, Duda didn't have a great game on Saturday for me. So, you know, I don't know. I, did, I mean, apparently Lucas Rupp played on Saturday. <laughs> uh, as well. Um, yeah. I, I'm not. I mean, I saw a lot of Jordan Henderson. He seemed to be quite busy. Um, but it feels like, you know, potentially if we had an 11th player there, um, uh, maybe that's where Emmy slots in, isn't it? Scathing from Ben. Sorry. Oh, no, sorry. no, hey, not a just, Hey, hey, I've got nothing against the guy. It's just I didn't notice him. I, like, I, I would much rather hear an opinion than not. Uh, right. I tell you what. On that note, <laughs> I think we're going to uh, wrap it up. Uh, remember, if you subscribe to The Athletic, uh, then make sure you log on to the website and or app two hours after every Norwich City kickoff to discuss all the key topics from the match action with my good self. And that includes Norwich's trip to Wolves on Sunday. Remember, it is a 2 p.m. kickoff at Molyneux. I'm saying that as much for my benefit as for yours. Uh, and as I said at the top of the pod, you can also listen to these podcasts ad-free through your app when you subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, but that is it for the uh, on the ball podcast here at the rush cutters this week uh, the podcast is freely available on your podcast player of choice so please spread the word if you would like to get in touch with us just sling me a tweet or direct message on twitter at michael j bailey in the meantime a big thank you for two wonderful debuts from ben Always a pleasure. And from Cedric. Merci. Thank you, gents. Uh, thank you also to Hodgie. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of On the Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger. <laughs>